Hey, this is Stan Gibbons, the lead pastor of Northside Bible Church. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this strengthens and inspires you. We want to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. If there's anything we can do, please reach out to us at northsidemobile.org or you can message us on Facebook and Twitter. Enjoy the sermon. So today we're finishing up our series called Behold Our God. And my whole goal over the holidays was where you get to see uh, baby Jesus as King Jesus, baby Jesus as God, very God, ruling and reigning. And so the conclusion of that is going to be found in this study this morning called the reign of our King and the reign of, of God and, and how Jesus has reigned from beginning for time till after time exists. He's always reigned. And I want to just I want you to see this morning, first of all, just the surety of his reign, the fact that it is a sure thing. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in all of Scripture. There's no doubt in all of reality and all of creation. There's no doubt. And so we'll begin with looking at a couple of simple truths. We studied in week one that Jesus Christ was part of creation. He created all things, it says in Colossians. Chapter one, he created all things. By him, all things were created that were created, and he has, Colossians 1 says he has all authority. And I actually made you repeat that word all for me a couple of times. Um, so he created all things, and he has all authority. And then we saw in Job 42 that no one can offer him counsel. And the song that we've been singing most of the month, we'll sing it again this week, Behold Our God actually says, who can offer counsel to the Lord? I mean, who, who's he, has he checked in with you lately to go, hey, I need some advice? He hasn't, nor will he ever. He never needs your advice. Um, because he is God, very God. And uh, so no one can offer him counsel, and that speaks of his reign. But then Psalm chapter 2, we're going to focus a little bit on that today. So if you actually turn there in your physical Bible. Why the big noise, nations? Why do the nations rage is what it says in some translations. Why the mean plots, peoples? Earth leaders push for positions, demagogues and delegates meet for summit talks. The God deniers, the Messiah defiers, Let's get free of God, cast loose from the Messiah. Heaven-throne God breaks out laughing. At first, he's amused at their presumptions. And you guys know the different translations say different things, but it's why do the nations rage and plot against God? And then it says, well, when they do, when they get together and plot against God, God's not the least bit intimidated by it. In fact, he's laughing at it. I don't know if you've ever had a really small child sort of challenge your authority, like you can't tell me that or you can't do that. Um, you teachers all know the teachers on their head. Yes, it happens all the time. And it's uh, sad in our culture how far away we've gotten from authority. But but little children can will do that now. They'll just tell you you can't do that. When we, we work at camp, you meet all these kids that don't know you, and they don't know you're really in charge of camp. And so you tell them they can't do something. No, you think, and you go, no, you can't do that. And I... I don't know who you think you are, little boy. And, and it's almost amusing at first, when a, especially a small child, you know, my a little bit older than Herschel, you know, uh, Titus, those kind of kids. When, when, they, when they kick back to you as, as an adult and you say, hey, don't touch that, and they look at you like, I don't know who you think you are, and they go to reach out and touch again, you're, you're almost amused, like, who, who do you think you are? That's how God looks at the nations, right? And he's got this, this moment in his life where he's just saying, I don't know who y'all think you are, but you're not that big. You're not that big at all. Isaiah says, we read this earlier in the, the series, 
But Isaiah says that all the nations, all the nations, are as a drop in the bucket to God. So he's not intimidated by that. And it actually goes on to say, he's amused at this, and then it says, then he gets good and angry after this amused part, because if a child keeps pushing the line with you, and you're saying, hey, no, don't touch that, don't touch that, stop touching that, Let me get, and you get it out of their hand, and they're still wrestling you for it, now it's, it becomes a little different level, right? There's another step, even as, as parents we take, there's a little step we take. Here's where God says, translation of the message says, then he gets good and angry, furiously he shuts them up, don't you know, here's what, how he shuts them up, don't you know there's a king in Zion? A coronation banquet is spread for him on the holy summit. That's Zion, right? The city of David. God is saying to the nations that rage against him, don't you know I have a king? And I put him in place there, and he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king in Zion, the city of David, which is my city, by the way. God says, my people, my city, my kingdom, my ruler. Don't you know you're raging against somebody that you have no authority over? And we ask the question, how, well, how did Jesus end up enthroned like that? Well, Philippians 2 answers it. We studied Philippians for a while, so I'll just touch, touch on this with you. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Have this attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, didn't, require, didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, We've been studying all that. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him to the throne in Zion, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, all the nations of all who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So just back to Psalm 2 for a second, the surety of his reign. God laughs at nations who rage against him. Please understand. And, and not just nations, but people. I, I've been spent a lot of time with the recovery men, actually building some strong rapport with some men in the recovery programs at Mission of Hope uh, and a couple other friends outside of that that are trying to start some ministries, and we may be able to help help them start some ministries, recovery ministries, just through some studies here at our church. And and I uh, spent a lot of time with them. And one of the things they say is it's amazing how they used to feel so angry at God. They used to rage against God and just think, who are you? Who do you think you are? And slowly but surely, God had to get them to a place to go, I'm nobody compared to you. In fact, the fact that you let me live and still love me is amazing. And many of them have had to go through very deep valleys uh, many of us have had to go through very deep valleys to come to the place where we don't rage against God anymore. But then he says this, God has appointed a ruler to reign in Zion, the holy city. He's enthroned there. It says very clearly, I played the video uh, at the mission for them that you guys have seen many, many times. Dr. Shadrach, Meshach, Lock, S.M. Lockridge, Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge has that video called um, My King, and it's a magnificent reflection of who the king really is and in the process he says you can't impeach him and he ain't gonna resign i mean he is he is god very god he is in charge and and nobody's gonna overthrow him and uh we may i may do that at the end of the time with you here to, to let you see that but god's appointed this ruler and he has there's no votes needed to enthrone him by the way see i live in a democratic republic and we're going to have another election sometime soon and there's going to be all kinds of 
crazy stuff that happens with our elections, and we all know how nutty that gets because we live in a democratic republic, and, and that's by our, our, my birthright, and uh, I get the choice to, to go and be part of that, which is awesome. But actually, my real life is under a theocratic king. I live under one king. He rules and reigns. I never have to vote him in. He's never going to get voted out. And he's always in my favor. He's always for me, not against me. Um, and he rules and reigns eternally forever. And all the nations that around me, and even the nation I live in, are subject to him. And that's a very powerful truth for us to, to get our head around and to think about. Jesus is the one and only king, and he's the only one I ever want to fully serve. Uh, the other two options that you're going to have is to serve Satan or serve yourself. That's your three options. You can serve yourself. It's never going to work out good. You can serve Satan. That doesn't work out good. Or you can serve the king, him. And that's what I would encourage you to do is to serve the king. So just, just be sure of his reign. The Bible is very clear from beginning to end that God reigns eternal and Jesus is the one that's enthroned and he always has been. Now I want to talk about the dominion of his reign. How far does it reach? How strong is it? And uh, so first we're just going to look at Ephesians 1, which says it's far above all rulers. The dominion of his reign is far above, not a little above. Not almost as good as. You know, you watch all these movies, and I, know, I think there's a new Star Wars, isn't there a new Star Wars coming out soon? new Star Wars movie coming out, and the whole thing with Star Wars, to get the good and the bad, and the dark side and the evil side, and it's, you know, in the old, in the old days it was the Westerns, you had the bad guys and the good guys, right? The guys in bad, bad guys always wore black, good guys wore white hats, right? And But it was always evil, almost always wins in the good movies. It almost always wins. There's this really bad struggle, and you're like, oh, no. The bad guy gets knocked down for a while, and things aren't going so good for him, and and you just don't know he's ever going. Oh, and then finally at the end, whew, we finally made it. You know, and sometimes he's all shot up or beat up or whatever, and it's like, whew, we made it, right? That's how it feels. I mean, the Avengers do the same thing. They just they just make it work. Like all the the good guys almost lose every time. Well, here's the thing in Scripture, God's never ever ever down for the count. Never, He's never almost down. And it, it just, sometimes it may feel like that to us, but his rulership is far above all rulers. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, Paul's praying, uh, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and uh, your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this is his prayer. And we talked about this earlier too. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So he wants you to know him having your eyes enlightened that you may know what is the hope which he called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then, then here's the verse, verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? The Lord has immeasurable greatness of power toward us who believe. And aren't you glad you believe today? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body in the fullness of him who fills all in all. So just, just a little bullet points that go with that, not complicated. But man, just put your head around what we're saying right here. The Bible says, Paul says, God has, Christ has immeasurable great power 
He has power over death. He's seated in heaven above all rule and authority. And it's not just above. Actually, he says it's far above all rule and authority. Far above all rule and authority. And far above all powers and all dominions. And he's above every name that is named forever. And he is the head over all things. So we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're just talking about this great power. I want to read you this quote by John Piper. The risen Jesus Christ is head over all things. Head implying, this is John MacArthur, or uh, John Piper. Head implying authority and conscience active rule over all history, all human beings, all demonic powers, all disease, all disabilities, all nature, all weather, all hurricanes, all lightning bolts, all tornadoes, all volcanoes, all earthquakes, all floods, all global warming, all business and industry, healthcare, sports, March Madness, inventions, media, internet, iPad mania, military might, governments, presidents, kings, chiefs, religions, universities, solar systems, stars, galaxies, molecules, atoms, subatomic particles, and 10,000 things no man has ever yet discovered Jesus is now head over them all, conscious, active, authority, and ruler, according to John Piper and according to the Scriptures. Isn't that great? He is ruler over all things. Ruler over all things. And he is, by the way, not just far above all rule. He is the final judge. If you're not sure he's in charge, <clears throat> we were talking. I was talking with some of the men privately at the mission the other day. Uh, <laughs> After we got done with the Bible study, we just sat down together. And if you're not sure he's in charge of everything, one day you're going to stand before his throne. And you won't stand there mocking him at that point. The Bible says you're going to be on your knees. Every knee is going to bow. And he is in charge at that throne. That throne is a throne of final judgment. He's the final judge of all things. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Here's what John the Beloved says in one of his visions. Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So in this passage, Jesus is seated on the throne, and everybody, everybody stands before him. Your worst enemies and your favorite enemies aunt and uncle, your grandpa and your grandma, everybody's going to stand there in front of him. Everybody. Everybody. Because he is the final authority. His reign and his rule is solid. And one day, everybody's going to get that crystal clear. If they don't get it today, it's really important that you get it today. Because you want to submit to that authority today. You want to submit to his rulership today and find your life much more satisfying. When you, when you submit to the king whose favor is upon you, your life is far more satisfying. But he is seated before this throne. And by the way, he's going to check a book. There's a book. And in that book, there's names written. I, can't, I just love the idea 
that somewhere in heaven there's a book with my full name written, Stanley Dallas Gibbons. And one day they're going to just check that book, make sure my name's in there. It's already in there. Some angel, I don't even know what it looks like in angel writing, don't know what they wrote with, don't even know what the book looks like. I bet it's probably pretty cool looking, right? But my name is written in that book. Your name written there? That this, this means yes, my name's written there. That's just awesome. Man, that's awesome. My name is written in a book in heaven. A lot of other places your name will be written, but boy, that's the place you want it written. Amen? Amen, that is the place you want it written down. So then I want to just talk about for a moment the length of his reign. And we'll go to the Christmas passage that a lot of people like to for Christmas, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says it this way. For to us a child is born, this is the English version, English Standard Version. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and, how long? Forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So the scriptures are crystal clear. Isaiah makes it crystal clear in the prophecy that is, how many years ahead, Cody? 700 years ahead of this? Yeah, 700 years ahead of this, there's this prophecy that says he will reign forever and his reign is without end. So the length of his reign doesn't ever end. You don't have to worry about that. And I just want to, I got a, another quote I want to share with you this morning before we get to our conclusion. Just for fun though, I'd like to take you back to uh, well, let's, let's do this first. So, so, on a silent night long ago, we sing that song, we'll sing it later. When the stars were aligned to assist wandering seekers from afar and illuminate the one who is the light of the world, all was calm and all was bright. Angels left the throne room of heaven where they had been worshiping God, to stare into a stable and a food trough where a tiny baby king was sleeping. Uh, it is this child who was present in ages past when universes were spoken into existence, whose voice spoke them into existence. It is this child who spoke the mountains and oceans into existence. It is this child that was present to assist Moses and overcome the great Pharaoh of Egypt to redeem the people of Israel. It is this child whose thunderous laws were etched in stone for his people on Mount Sinai. It is this child who spoke and fulfilled prophecy over the house of David. It is this child who walked among the flames of the, with the three Hebrew children who would not bow to false gods. It is this child who came quietly as an unknown power down onto this earth to help his people. It is this child wrapped in clothes laying in a manger that chose to come as a ransom for all mankind's sins. 
It is this child who conquered death, hell, and the grave for you and me. It is this child who loves me with an everlasting love despite all my failings. It is this child who was the Almighty from old and is the Almighty today and shall always be Almighty God forever. It is this child and King who deserves all of our praise, all of our adoration, and all of our worship, and all of our glory for all time. You agree with that? Amen. That's who this child is. This Christ child is actually the King of Kings. Louis Schaefer, Spirit, Louis Spirit Schaefer, great theologian, uh, president of Dallas Theological Seminary many, many years ago, wrote it this way. He created all worlds. He upholds all things by the word of His power. He governs the whole universe and provides for all creation. The power of His voice will call forth all the millions of the dead at the resurrection. He will judge them all in that great day. Although the company before His awful tribunal will be immeasurable, innumerable, sorry, as the sands upon the seashore, yet He will perfectly recollect all their actions, words, and thoughts from the birth of creation to the end of the times. Too much for a man, but easy for Christ. So here's my conclusion today. Will you let Him reign in you? Will you let Him reign in you? I want you to just reflect on uh, Psalm 2 one more time. Go back to the Psalms. I told you we'd go back, go back there. And just on Psalm 2, I want you to see the rest of this passage. You know, in Psalm 1, is a, is a beautiful picture. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the pathway of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law as he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Leaf will not wither and bear fruit in its season. And whatever, whatsoever he does will prosper, right? That's the, the blessedness and favor of God in Psalm 1. And then the contrast in, in the other part of Psalm 1 is the man who is not like that, who doesn't follow God, who is not seeking after God, is not favored. He's actually like the, the chaff that the wind blows away and dries up and dies, right? So Psalm 1 is life and death. Life and death, and the blessedness of that. Psalm 2 is uh, the blessedness of a person that recognizes the reign of God. Not just the fact that you're seeking God, but you actually see His reign when you recognize the rule and the reign of God and the anointed place of Jesus. So in Psalm 2, we read earlier that He mocks the rage of the nations, right? He just looks at the raging nation and He goes, you got to be kidding me. Don't you know I've enthroned my king? And he's enthroned. Now look at Psalm 2, verse 7. And I'll read it to you from the message. I don't think it'll be up here. Psalm 2, verse 7. Let me tell you what God says the next time. Said next. He said, and he's talking, this is God speaking to Jesus. You, you are my son, and today is your birthday. What do you want? Name it. Nations as a present, continents as a prize. You can command them all to dance for you, uh, or throw them out with tomorrow's trash. So, rebel kings, use your heads, upstart judges, learn your lesson, worship God in adoring embrace, celebrate in trembling awe, kiss the Messiah. Your very lives are in danger, don't you know? His anger is about to explode, but if you make a run for God, you won't regret it. Isn't that great? Make a run for God. 
Recognize the authority of the king. Recognize the power of this ruler. There's some dangerous thoughts that make us move away from that in our culture today. We have thoughts all the time now in our culture that say we should live live your life for yourself. Nobody else is going to take care of you. You need to take care of yourself. Live your life for yourself. It's all about you. That's one of the most dangerous thoughts in the world because it's literally running away from the rulership of God and not putting God in the center of everything. Um, be happy for yourself. And we live in this anti-authority age where, it's, where nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody's the boss of me. That's just not a good thing for a Christian to think, ever. You have a boss, and he is king of kings and lord of lords. He's been the ruler and reigner of all things for all time, and you need to submit to him in everything you do, in every decision you make, in every, every plan you have, in every purpose you have for your life and your family and your future. It all needs to be surrendered to the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, I want to just do what's best for me, is what people think sometimes. Uh, I need to do whatever makes me happy. I'm the boss of me. No one's the boss of me except me. You know what's best for you is only you can know that. That's not true. You can't know what's best for you. God knows what's best for you. And He is your designer and maker. He's the one that created you, and we need to follow Him. So these are all really bad philosophies. And actually, according to Psalm 2, they make God laugh. He goes, huh, don't tell me you really think that. Don't tell me you really think that. Because those are mocking thoughts of God. And I, I want to just ask you as we close, will you let him reign now? He is going to reign. There is no option for anybody here. If you don't like that, I'm very sorry for you. <laughs> but he is going to reign, and he is reigning now. The cool thing is when you submit to him. See, when, when he becomes king of your life, you get the satisfaction of being in his very center of his will, and all of his favor and blessing get poured out upon you. When you resist him as reigning king, you feel the pull toward that, and all of your resistance only leads to damaging and futile brokenness. Every time it leads into brokenness, and it never works. But when you follow him faithfully, when you move toward him, it makes a huge difference. A huge difference. And and you you guys have personal testimonies like that. I'm going to have a guy share with you next week a personal testimony like that um, where he just needed to get God in the center of his life like we do. All of us need to put God in the very center of our life and let him be our ruler and our Lord and master. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, I believe it's great to, to actually understand he's our Savior and Lord. He's not just my Savior from sin. He's my Lord now and my master that I want to follow. And whatever he leads me to do, I'm going to follow. I think that's a real important thing for us to remind ourselves of as we decide that he is the one who reigns. Amen?